Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. This is the Faraway Farm Boy podcast and I'm your host Dustin. This podcast is all about dairy farming in Canada and the people associated with it. This podcast is made possible by Livestock Veterinary Services in Pitcher Butte, Alberta. Livestock Veterinary Services provides a wide range of services for livestock, including dairy herd management, cow-calf herd management, advanced reproduction services, medicine and surgery, and many more. If you're ready to see their expert veterinary team, call Livestock Vet Services today at 403-732-5322 or make an appointment at livestockvet.ca. This podcast is also brought to you by Chinook Dairy Service. Did you know that Chinook Dairy Service can fine-tune and optimize the performance of all brands of milking equipment? Call Chinook for a free milking system evaluation today. Today's guest is a farmer I met on Twitter. I don't meet many people solely through social media, it's kind of weird, but I love meeting new people regardless. That being said, today's guest is a very good guy who has a very unique farm, and I was excited to meet him and learn from him. Please welcome Mike Duncan. Mike, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, tell, tell our listeners a bit about your farm. Uh, so I'm the fifth generation to operate this dairy farm. Uh, it's 134 years old now. Sheesh. Um, we crop 300 acres of grass, and that's all we feed right now is just round bales. And um, we milk 65 cows. Okay. On, a, on robots. Right, yeah. Um, do you have any information on like your, how many, how many, fifth generation? Fifth, That's crazy. Yeah. So do you know like how they started or? <laughs> not, not really. Um, it was more or less, um, two brothers came over from Scotland and one stayed in Ontario and vanished and the other one came here and kind of started the farm here. Huh. And they, it was a mixed operation because they, we had, we used to have like 400 head of uh, black Angus too. Yeah. They used to do that. Like there's yeah. more beef in the Valley and yeah. And it was kind of like they just milk cows for fun at the time. Yeah. Crazy. And then, yeah. And then the original, wow, great, 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 great grandpa that came here. He was one of the founding members of the BC Holstein branch as well. Oh, okay. 1907, I think. Wow. was the year. You're, you're still into that Holstein stuff? Yeah, we, we got out of it for a couple generations, like after like the 50s, kind of, 60s. And then, like, I mean, we still were still 100% Holstein, but I just picked up on it again three years ago and got back yeah. into registering and classifying. And Where do you see the payoff in registering? Um, just for fun, or, or what do no, you think? No, it, it makes, for me, it's making cows last longer. Yeah. That's the payoff. But you've had five generations of breeding, yeah. or what? Yeah. That's, do you, that's do you right. see yeah. that or? I, I, yeah, I think looking back, like on the records, like everything's been up to date all the time. But like, I think we did hit a lull of about like 10 or 15 years where it was just genetics weren't really the, the thing anymore. It was just breed for milk. Like that was it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I find the older cat, like the older generations when I took over five years ago, those were the ones I was getting better offspring out of than the more relevant ones at the time just huh. from the genetics used oh so it skipped that whole that whole milk did. period yeah huh. i mean they all milked like crazy but i mean yeah just confirmation wise they weren't that great yeah yeah so i i really like your ration so what are your numbers on that ration before the heat dome 
Uh, we like, yeah, just like average. so we had the heat dome at the beginning of July. Before then, we were forty three kilo average with a four one five test for fat, and that's no palm fat to enhance. That is insane. Fat. But now I'm like thirty six to thirty eight. We just haven't got back to that's where we were. That's awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> It'd suck. But yeah, the older cows just kind of hit pilot and yeah, you know that was it. That's insane on round bales. So yeah, uh, how good are your round bales, or what's going on there? How can you? Uh, normally, there we try to go for like fifty percent dry matter. So then, the lactic acid is still there, but it's not too wet where it spoils quick in the bunk. Right. Um. And then typically on a normal year, we'll see like the average round bale will feed like first cut would be sixteen to twenty percent protein. Okay. And then lack- what's typical of round bales? Like I don't know round bales very I, I well. I like sixteen. I think is probably what most guys try to go for on first cut. Sixteen, seventeen percent Pro- protein. Protein, yeah. yeah. And then fifty percent dry matter always seems to be kind of what. Okay. What guys are kind of going after that do it. And then just the digestibility is so good that yeah, like that's kind of what you're after. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, and I mean this year we had a bit of a goofy spring out here, so the protein in the grass wasn't quite where it normally is so okay because that's always been Cause it was so hot yeah it was kind of dry for a while and then okay. like we all put fertilizer on like end of march early april and then it kind of sat a little longer on the field because the weather patterns changed towards the end of april we didn't get on when we should have got right. on and and for people who don't know you get you get five cuts yeah should at least get five cuts we won't this year for most of us that don't have irrigation but right and that's just on that grass it's like uh Orchard grass fescue mix, right? Yeah, bitter eye grass in there now. Right, and then yeah, and then you cut it when it's like it doesn't go to head. Obviously, it goes. Try not to no. Then you lose yeah uh, feed value. But when do you cut it? Like a couple weeks before head, or what would you say? What stage? I aim for thirty days. Thirty days after. Oh, after you cut it. Yeah. I guess I never thought of that. Cut it, wrap it, get it off the field, put fertilizer on. Right. And then 30 days, hopefully after it was cut. Right. So, so in, and the wrapping, you, you can wrap it at any moisture level and get away with it type of thing? Basically, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we got the auto wrapper on the baler. Right. Yeah. The McHale or McHale, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So you could get away with like 10% moisture on a round bale and it yeah. wouldn't mold as long as it's wrapped, like it's as fine. As long as you got enough plastic on it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's completely foreign to me yeah but yeah we're like trying to figure out how i can get more forage in my ration as opposed to more concentrate like how much concentrate do you feed on average between the robot and the pmr we're getting about 23 pounds of concentrate into the cows okay yeah and then yeah that's about so that's that's a little bit more like what i'm used to feeding i guess yeah I, i think i feed 12 12 and a half kgs on average per head per day and then i I, where it pays for me is i can maximize the intake on the cows with the round bales that's right yeah matter like yeah my nutritionist still can't figure out why my cows eat so much yeah so you would say genetics right yeah and and is there anything too like with that uh with more forage or that longer stuff they they tank out more they tank out way more like i know the 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 show cow guys feed hay but that's just for looks right yeah or is that but that's like our whole ration basically heifers too are getting long stemmed hay the whole way through right and then close-up cows get long stemmed hay 
and then a little bit. Huh. Of, little so maybe bit. you're you're uh, you're raising them for this ration as well. Yeah. Like if you put one of my heifers in here, you know, she probably wouldn't have the capacity, even if she was gen- genetically, she had the capacity. You'd say. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of what we've always done, and it seems to always work, and yeah. can limit our grain. Yeah, and and probably cheap as far as like not having to do any sort of silage too, right? Or that's or right. what do you see like costs round for bales me, versus silage? For me, I, I haven't really looked at it. Just as simpler because I'm mainly by myself most of the time. So, right. so for me, round baling is easy. I just chase myself around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's just you. So your your dad is still here, or yeah, he's still around a couple days a week and okay. evenings. But that's yeah. about it. And your does your wife help or? Oh, she's got her own dairy farm with her family. Oh, really? So yeah, oh, milk, I did not. They milk uh, 450 cows down the road. So, <laughs> huh? Interesting. Yeah. So she's got her own thing going on. Yeah. No time for the little little farmer over here. No, no. It's like, wake up in the morning, see you later. <laughs> huh, cool. Yeah, no. So it's kind of fun. Huh. Um, what bulls are you using right now? Right now, um, I'm starting to put more of an emphasis on using sex semen on what I consider better genetics in a herd. So right. between milk production and classifying. Um. So what were you doing before? Just before, uh, conventional for everyone? Or? Just conventional, basically, for everyone. And right. we just were always, I don't know, high LPI bulls were always pushed by genetic people here. And I, right. I never really drank that Kool-Aid. Huh. Um, so, for right now, I'm basically bottom half of my herd is going to get beef. Right. And then the top half is getting sex. So, like, right now, I'm using, yeah. like, Sex Legend, Sex Barolo, um sex ranger red is in there just he's a, a neat bull um who else uh yeah like those those, those are c-max right yeah c-max okay. and blondin right okay yeah okay. and then like avenger when he like we use a bit of him conventional when he comes out sex we're gonna go fairly heavy on him huh and so. what do you look for then if it's not lpi um basically for me it's just balance okay and i with an emphasis on udders okay and yeah. yeah, I love otters. Yeah. Yeah. So does uh, Holstein Canada, right? Like yeah. I found that out last time. I had a, a really nice looking heifer or a first lactation cow and like, like great pins. I was just looking at her confirmation, yeah. right? Or like her, her body. And then she got like 80 points or something and said, I thought for sure 85, right? Mm-hmm. But sure enough, she had a reverse tilt on her and I was like, shoot. Yeah. yeah. 40%, right? You can't forget about yeah. that. So it'll yeah. change the way I kind of look at things i guess but st- i still like breeding for type and just the yeah like well-balanced yeah, and I mean, animals and you, and you can have it all you still can have production you just gotta be pickier yeah. yeah and like yeah like those are just the bulls i'm using right now um but i mean in the past i used a lot of really heavy with alligator oh yeah like just the udders <laughs> right like yeah. the, the, i'm paying the price for the rumps a little bit but okay i mean i've never i've always tried to go for a level rump at least Right. Like, try not to breed for high rump, yeah. but I mean, some of the alligators swung a little high on me, and huh. but I mean, their udders are um, phenomenal. Yeah, that that's the worst. High, I hate high pins. They just yeah. because I look at them the most probably, but yeah. and, but now I've started looking at like chest width and stuff too. Yeah, and realized that I have a huge problem. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, the top lines on my cows look great or whatever, and then you look at their chest width and you're like, oh no. Yeah, <laughs> that's like same here. A little bit more chest width. I mean, I got the capacity yeah. sorted out, but the chest width. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because usually they go together, but that's right. No, we got a few in the barn that are a little narrow, and 
huh. we're getting there. Yeah. Then you do you do your own trimming too, or what do you do for uh, trimming? Uh, we have a guy that comes every six weeks and trims. Okay. But mainly we just do end of lactation. Okay. Like before dry off, and then if there's anyone that I see kind of limping around. Okay. So yeah. It's not like a routine every hundred day kind of thing, but. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So you milk sixty five. You're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I I just noticed with chest width, or I guess that's. Uh, towed out or whatever you call it yep. it doesn't it's not necessarily chest width or whatever but you're trimming inside claws on cows and stuff like that so yeah there's always something to improve on on yep. that side of things but so what do you do for equipment you got the uh you, you basically got everything you need yeah you don't do any custom uh, i don't do custom i don't have time for custom or no i mean uh bring or, anything or, yeah, in no one comes yeah. in for custom no yeah. um but yeah, i just do all my mowing and raking bailing myself right and then you, so you don't do any corn either. No. So which is not very, uh, it's like typically all the farmers here do corn, right? Yeah, most most do, yeah. yeah. So you kind of got lucky this year, I guess, right? Yeah, first cut <laughs> had enough tonnage that we got away with it. And it's been so dry. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah. What What's your uh, calf program look like? For calves, um, basically I everything's weaned by 60 days. Okay. Um, they're all raised in individual stalls. Right. Um, and we do a mixture of grain, just like a textured grain and chopped straw. Okay. Mixed together. Like free feed. choice on, yeah, from day free one? Free choice, or? all they could eat okay. from day one of that. Huh. And then we try to push towards, I mean, our goal is two pounds a daily gain. I mean, we're not quite there, but. Okay. Is that like, t- uh, how many liters are you feeding or? Uh, eight liters a day. Okay. And yep. then two feedings? two feedings yeah Yeah. okay yeah Yeah. huh and what have you seen from that works pretty good that works good yeah yeah Yeah, really good calves can be tricky to get right sometimes especially in the the like summer and winter like usually well yeah every time of year but like yeah just the airflow and all that sort of stuff is hard to get right but you're kind of out in the bush here so you got biosecurity right yeah so like so that works no it helps yeah there's not a lot of traffic out here yeah always surprises me like when i come back to the areas like there's oh there's another 200 acres you know there's yeah. always like farmland where you'd never guess there was farmland yeah. here so like right across the river that's fairfield island right across from me yeah is that okay yeah, yeah. pretty heavily populated across the river yeah yeah that's huh. no man's land over here yeah yeah so what do you think about the future of the industry type thing what are you thinking oh i think it's going to get a little more difficult for yeah. guys. Like, What makes you think that? Just the cost of production and the yeah. income's not following the cost. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're getting more market slowly, but I mean, it's more, in my opinion, it's more milk you're allowed to sell, but less income and higher cost overall, right? Yeah. So, so what does that mean for farms in general? Do you think we're going to see a mass exodus of smaller farms? or? I think... There, yeah, I think there could be a, a few larger guys that get out too eventually too. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. I think the guys that are small enough, like, I mean, like, we're well-established here. We're in for the long run. Like, yeah. we're not going anywhere. But, you know, like, guys that don't have a succession plan or, you yeah. know, guys coming up that are going to take over, yeah, you're going to probably see them eventually sooner or later get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like some larger scale guys I talk to, they shake their head like the margins are so tight. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, huh? Especially out here, it's like it's like 
land is so expensive. Yeah. Right? So I mean, right. yeah, we've all expanded to the point where now it's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're set, but you know, if you have to get more aggressive down the road and get more property and this and that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But you guys, your province has the, uh, the processing, right? Like all That's the processing right. is in Abbotsford. Yeah. Got to make it work. That's right. <laughs> in Alberta, we're, we need processing like crazy. Yeah. I mean, we still do here too. Like we're short processing in BC all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And about 70 or so percent of the milk in BC is produced in the Fraser Valley. Yeah, that's right. So then there's some in, in uh, whatever the interior, whatever interior, you call that, right? Yeah. Like, not salmon arm, but all around there. Yep, salmon yeah. arm, Armstrong. Yeah. Up there. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Then there's a few guys still left up north. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, way up there. Uh, like west of Peace River. Just like just barely in BC, I think there's a yeah, couple. A couple up there in the Manor Hoof <laughs> still has, I think, maybe 10 guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of a little farming area there, yeah, too. A bunch of them are going robotic now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just because uh, the lack of hired help type of thing? Or? I, I don't really know the reasoning. I might just be more efficient for them because they're all like cow calf operations, too, right? So. Right. Yeah. 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 Huh. Well, it's uh, cool to have you on. I, you and um, Josh kind of inspired me to start the podcast <laughs> yep. and stuff. So yep. it's been kind of cool. Like, yeah, I meet all sorts of different people and yeah, it's been fun. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to the Faraway Farm Boy podcast, episode number 41 with Mike Duncan. This podcast has been made possible by Chinook Dairy Service. Did you know that Chinook Dairy Service can fine-tune and optimize the performance of all brands of milking equipment? Call Chinook for a free milking system evaluation today. Join me again next time on the Faraway Farm Boy podcast.